Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, hello, Welcome to Mapping the College Audition, a podcast where we explore the landscape of the college theater world and try to demystify this daunting audition process. I'm your host, Charlie Murphy, director of MTCA, that's Musical Theater College Auditions, and today we have got a creative, collaborative, curricular show lined up for you. Uh, Kikau Alvaro from the University of the Arts is on the show, and it was so fun to get to chat with Kikau. He is also a fellow podcaster and I think a really great mind in all of this. And as you'll hear right at the top, we reached out to him for an interview for his position as a program director of, of the program at UArts. And before we could blink our eyes, he was promoted to interim dean. Um, I think you'll get a lot out of this episode and we'll really enjoy um, our conversation about University of the Arts' focus on new works. Uh, the skills involved in that kind of training, professional opportunities with new work. We talked about the experience of being smack in the middle of Philadelphia. Um, we talked about keeping your relationships with professors beyond the college audition, um, having a human experience in your audition room, contrast in your audition, and Kikau's appreciation of a pop song. And Kikau also jinxes his and my favorite Survivor player who gets voted out days later after this interview. So for any Survivor fans out there, I'm sorry for the spoiler, you're going to see it in this interview. Um, but before we get to this interview, just a bit of housekeeping. Um, I don't think Megan and I have made nearly a big enough deal over the fact that we have done a year of shows now. Um, this is, I think, our 55th episode. Don't quote me on that. It could be 54th. We're somewhere in there. We're a little over a year. Um, and we have some real exciting stuff lined up in the next few weeks. And then some really exciting stuff lined up next fall. Um, but I am going to try to take a little bit of time for a summer break. Um, I've been recording a little bit ahead, and I'm now producing them all, as we see. And so I'm trying to do that a little bit ahead of time. But in order to try to give myself a couple weeks off, um, I'm going to go teach at places like the Performing Arts Project, I'm going to teach at Broadway Dreams, um, and then, of course, our own very exciting MTCA Summer Masterclass Week. I did want to say... Um, with the year of it all. And I talk about a bit in this podcast, actually, about how flabbergasted I've been in the reach this pod has had in its first year. Um, we have reached 56 countries. And I'm not sure I could actually have named 56 countries before I saw this list, but I'm going to read it to you in rapid speed. We've reached the United States, Canada, United Kingdom, Australia, Ireland, France, United Arab Emirates, Japan, Germany, New Zealand, India, Philippines, Bahamas, Indonesia, Costa Rica, Sweden, Netherlands, Chile, Russia, Spain, South Africa, Poland, Brazil, Mauritius, South Korea, Ukraine, Qatar, Mexico, Israel, Finland, Lithuania, Italy, Switzerland, Norway, Belgium, Malaysia, Iceland, Croatia, Greece, Chechnya, Turkey, Singapore, Saudi Arabia, Serbia, Oman, Lebanon, Cayman Islands, Kenya, Egypt, Denmark, Cabo Verde, Bahrain, Argentina, and Albania. And I did not make up any of those countries uh, that I know of, at least. Um, 
So just like a huge thank you to you, the listeners, for making this possible. Um, and I just want to say how much we appreciate your downloads and your shares, your comments and your reviews that make the blood, the sweat and all of the infant tears that you hear on the pod um, so much worth it. All right, so enough of that. We'll tell you more information about the break as we know the exact date of it. It's going to be, we still got a couple episodes more, so a couple more weeks before we take that break, but um, I'll let you know the details as we get a little closer. Um, but for now, let's get to our interview with Kikau Alvaro from the University of the Arts. Well, we are so excited to have Kikau Alvaro on the pod today from University of the Arts. Uh, Kikau is a professional director, uh, choreographer, and performer. He has a BA in theater with an emphasis in directing from San Jose State University and an MFA in musical theater from San Diego State University, as well as a conservatory certificate in musical theater performance from American Musical and Dramatic Academy, AMDA, in New York City. Um, he's performed at places like the Old Globe, La Jolla, has directed and choreographed shows all all over California and Virginia. He also was previously the Associate Artistic Director of the Virginia Repertory Theater and was the head of musical theater at Virginia Commonwealth University before becoming the Program Director of Musical Theater at University of the Arts. He is also our first professor who's also a podcast host where he hosts the podcast Carefully Taught with Matthew Teague Miller. Uh, University of the Arts is located in Philadelphia, PA. Uh, they offer degrees at BFA in acting, BFA musical theater, and BFA dance. Kikau, how are you doing? Welcome on the pod. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for asking me to, to join the podcast. It's truly a pleasure. Um, so before, I know we gave a little bio there, but before we jump into um, UArts itself, let's just talk a little bit about how you came to the position that you're in. Yeah. So, and I also, I do want to do a little bit of a correction here. Um, and yeah. it's a sort of recent correction, which is um, I did begin as the program director for musical theater, um, but have been um, at least temporarily promoted into this interim dean position for oh. University of the Arts. Um, and we have an interim uh, musical theater program director who's a great friend of mine, Jacob Brent. We're currently working together in this moment um, as they are going through some a little bit of a transition but it is we're still excited to be here i am still sitting behind that table mm. running auditions and uh trying to uh have the very best talent come to philadelphia and come to uarts we love starting a pot off with a promotion that's great just just a quick just a quick promotion um but so tell me a little bit about that journey to becoming um program director and now to interim dean yeah so i um was in Richmond, Virginia, where uh, those previous positions were Virginia Commonwealth University, Virginia Repertory Theater. Um, it was an amazing job to have, um, but was looking for, uh, the best way to put it might be just a higher ceiling, looking for, um, be a little bit closer to some bigger projects that are happening um, in both Philadelphia and New York. Um, so for me and my husband, Derek, it was it was an opportunity for us to like kind of move up to this uh, space. Um, we were also just really excited about the program. Um, the, um, the, I mean, you're going to hear me on this podcast refer to this as the Bryn School, but it really is the Ira Bryn School of Theater Arts that is a part of University of the Arts. So mm -hmm. we can say University of the Arts or the Bryn School. Um, essentially, I just was excited about every aspect of the program that they were offering and saw myself um, sort of 
being the perfect right person to take this job and to take this job on. Um, my interests, particularly in new works, uh, my interests in education mm -hmm. and um, forwarding and talking about like musical theater pedagogy, which is what uh, Maddie and myself talk about on our podcast. Um, I just sort of saw it all happening here in UART, here at UARTS, here in Philadelphia. Um, and so far, I am correct. Um, so yeah, it just was the, a matter of math. It just was like, it was the right time, the right program. Um, and I saw um, so much opportunity here in, in the city for me to, to take. As so many things in musical theater, a matter of math. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah. But let's let's talk a little bit about what that. So now, in your experience um, as program director, and now as it's beginning the interim dean position, tell me a little bit about what what does a a U Art student feel like to you, or maybe specifically, what does a Bryn student feel like in terms of the kind of students that feel like they're a great fit for your program? Yeah, I love this question so much because I think that uh, it is my personal goal and our goal as a school to truly serve our students. So it's kind of a fun question because each year during auditions, we see a brand new group of folks that we're uh, inviting to come and join us. And, and they each come with their own individual needs and, and specifics. So not that we necessarily craft, uh, you know, the, the classes or the curriculum to the individual, um, but we take it into account. We, we take in the individual needs and the, the constant and continuous shifts that we're seeing in our young people. Um, and so I would say that if I'm talking about the students that are currently here, um, they are creative, they're collaborative, they're engaged, they're curious. Um, a lot of C we, words. I'm seeing a lot of C. A lot of C words. A lot of C words. They are. I'll just work my way through the alphabet. Um, they, <laughs> they are. Friendly, they are. Effervescent. Yeah. The uh, you know the musical theater students um, take uh, acting classes with the acting students. We also have other programs that design and technology as well as DPP that is um, directing playwriting and production. I share all of that to say that students, when they come here, don't just stay in their silos. Mm -hmm. They actually really are engaged with other folks in um, other areas uh, that can support their education. So it's it's like an interesting thing about being um, a Bryn student or a UART student, which is that um, you, you don't just stay in a studio mm -hmm. and, and sing songs, you actually are like engaging, working on brand new works, um, being in plays and, um, and of course, enjoying the amazing things that Philadelphia has to offer. Um, uh, so students that are interested actually in situating themselves in the middle of a city right across the street from the beautiful Kimmel Center, all of the touring productions come through. Mm -hmm. um, we also are very close to um, places like the Walnut Street Theater, um, the Wilma Theater, uh, and have a relationship with a MFA program called um, Pig Iron, um, which is also sort of situated in another theater. We mm -hmm. are just right in the middle of this really exciting space. Um, and so I would imagine that that is also a, a something that, that young people interested in coming to schools think about. What does that what does my day look like? Um, what am I? What am I um, going to do after school? Well, you're going to go right across the street and see that tour, or you're going to have an opportunity um, to be in a show that's uh, 
in the area. I love it. And before we get too much to the after school side of things, though, tell me a little bit about like just curricularly, what are mm-hmm. the four years like? And if you want to talk about sort of what they have been, but also if there are any changes or shifts, sort of what, what is the vision for freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year? Yeah, that's great. I uh, love this conversation. I really do, because it's, it is the thing that is makes a school different from another school. Um, so just, you know, I want everyone to go out there and do their research and mm-hmm. listen to this podcast and uh, take these steps. Uh, we are a four-year conservatory-style BFA musical theater program. Mm-hmm. So um, we are uh, a student would be taking at the very least seven semesters of voice lessons, private voice lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, the there is a dance progression which begins with uh, ballet, jazz, uh, tap, and um, goes on to dance styles and um, dance auditioning, partnering, etc. Um, we have a progression from the very beginning that is just musical theater performance. So uh, you would be taking the musical theater performance one through eight while you are here. Um, and each of those is um, a, a step from foundations to um, learning about different styles to um getting deeper into conversations about um, auditions and roles, Mm -hmm. specific roles. Uh, For example, in the junior year, uh, we're both building your audition book as well as, um, as well as casting you. We are spending time with you and, and making sure that you have the opportunity to do um, the roles that uh, are right for you uh, and that you are excited about. And then in that senior year, we are, uh, in those MTP courses, we're preparing you for um, the outside world. We're prepping you for your showcase and um, and then doing a culminating capstone project, which is uh, a cabaret performance. So you are ending uh, sitting on a stage on your own with a pianist and other musicians um, uh, performing work that you are inspired by and um, as yourself. Um, I mentioned this already, but you are also following an acting progression as well um, with folks that are just here to pursue acting, Mm -hmm. um, which includes uh, contemporary scene work, um, classics, uh, as well as opportunities to learn about and do TV and film. Mm. And then you mentioned, you know, sort of the interaction of different schools at UArts. Tell me a little bit outside of the theater school, what kind of opportunities do I have? So if I, would I have the ability to take classes in different kinds of schools? Is that required? How does that work um, if I'm a UArts student? Yeah, I mean, it, um, it is totally possible is the best way to, to put it. Um, so much of that, as I mentioned, is about getting to know the students students here who are specifically interested in pursuing dance as like either a minor or as just a a form of passion Mm -hmm. um, can absolutely take classes in the dance department. Or um, we have lots of people here who come with with experience um, in regards to like music skills and and, an interest in performing, but also uh, composing or mm-hmm. in being a musical director. Um, and there are lots of opportunities for our uh, students to, to do that as well. Um, we just had Joey Contreras on the pod, who was a musical theater major, who's obviously very interested in composing. And that was really a, a big part of his education as well. Yeah, I think that's the interesting thing is you don't know, um, you don't really necessarily know what 
is going to come of all of these skills. And but you also know and should pursue those things that um, you are passionate about. And I promise it will add up to something. Uh -huh. There is there is going to be the right uh, job for you, the right position for you, for sure. Well, and we've talked about that a lot, but right now, because as majors are catching up to what interests are, right now, musical theater becomes a large umbrella that captures a lot of different actual career interests, right? There are people who go to musical theater school to be on Broadway specifically, but some of our students say, I kind of want to be an Instagram star, or I kind of want to be, and we go, and you can't quite yet go to school to be an Instagram star. So they're like, I love singing, I love dancing, I'm not sure how I'm going to use these skills, but I want to do something and maybe it's going to be movies. Maybe it's going to be Instagram. Maybe it's YouTube. Maybe it's whatever the new thing is 10 years from now. But, you know, the interesting thing is um, I've seen some incoming or prospective students who actually are sharing their social media with us. So we actually had somebody who was came to our auditions who shared the number of followers that she has and the yeah. like, here's the handle and here's the thing. And, and I, it's, it's just an interesting, uh, era that we are in that that i mean it's certainly true in the business though it's certainly true you're trying to get a broadway show it doesn't hurt to have 10 million followers it just it doesn't, doesn't hurt. hurt to have it i mean and even even smaller if i'm trying to get a show just started a new work um and i want to get uh, impact or faces mm -hmm. into that that reading like mm -hmm. yeah that one <laughs> for, sure. for sure. Um, let's talk, you're talking about the different disciplines. Do you feel like in the three stools of, at least of musical theater, I keep saying three stools when I mean the three legs of the stool in the three yeah. legs of those, of the stool that is musical theater. Do you feel like you focus more on one or the other? Is it really all three equally? How does that, that interaction work for you? Yeah, I love this. Um, it, it, I think this is part of what has evolved. Um, I think that, that, um, a musical theater artist today, when we fast forward to the industry, we do need to prepare them in all aspects, right? Every, you know, you're a graduate from a BFA program. There's an expectation that you know how to sing what's on the page. You also know how to interpret a song and to, um, to give it your own spin. You also can, um, you know, walk through space, um, using opposition with hands. And, and so it's, that is interesting. It's like my response to that is our efforts as a school is to make them as equal as possible, but we know, and we understand that someone might come um, with a little bit more dance training and they want to spend time and emphasis on the other aspects. We are here for that. Someone in the opposite is an amazing singer. They've been singing since birth and, um, you know, they are really interested in spending some time in our movement areas and the dance space so that they can get the information that they need to, to, to work, to have a career. Um, and I think that that, I think if there's any distinction to that or to what we do here at UArts, there's a real emphasis on, on doing new works. Mm -hmm. And so I like to think of it like we prepare you to, to, either write your own work or to pick up a script that has not been interpreted to be able to um, read that sheet music and bring a character full-bodied into life, uh, to life for an audience. Mm. Uh, that is something that we sort of hang our hat on. And I think you mentioned this before, but the dance classes in terms of like leveling, if I'm a, a freshman through senior, it's going to be sequential, basically, no matter what. I'm going to go take, you said one through eight dance-wise. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you would take actually, I mean, if someone does come with a little bit of experience, we would actually start them 
at like level three, let's say, um, and um, and then kind of take it from there. Someone who is um, just starting out, we'd start at one and we would work our way through. It's possible in our curriculum to repeat some classes and we actually love that. It's, mm-hmm. it's possible for you to um, desire and take three and four and then repeat three again if that's what you're interested in or repeat four again that would have been me taking one again and again yeah, and yeah. again one again got it. again i'll, again, I'll take yeah. ballet one again please i'm still working on that plie <laughs> Um, what about for our actors, um, and especially maybe our actors who are curious in the musical theater world, who want, want to take an acting training, get a BFA in acting, but are interested in some of the singing and dancing training as a potential, maybe I would do some of this too. How does that work at your school? Yeah, I mean, that would be something um, that we would encourage you. This is the kind of thing that if that is you, um, you should uh, just make sure that we that you meet with us, that you we see you, that we know that there is... Um, that we can make some room in classes for you. Um, it is typical for someone to um, have these interests. Um, any of our students are able to audition for our musicals, for the, the musical performances that we have throughout the year, um, a series of festivals, as well as our uh, Polyphone Festival, which is a, a f- something that happens in April, May, that is a brand new works festival that is made up of or can be made up of um, casts that come from both acting and musical theater. So there is lots of opportunity for um, a student who just might be interested, um, a student who might want to even consider um, getting a minor in musical theater, which is something that we offer, um, and uh, if their focus is in something else, but but have an interest in, in pursuing musical theater as well. You've mentioned these new works a couple of times. What does that look like? So certainly in terms of the new work opportunities, it makes sense. So I'm happy to hear more about that too. But what does that look like in terms of kind of curricularly? Like how am I being trained to interact with new works? Or what, what, how does that affect the training as you go? I really, if this is kind of a focus or something they're really interested in, in preparing them for, what does that mean in terms of what I, how do I need to train differently for new works maybe than I would for classical work? Yeah, um, I think it has to do with um, skills, right? So like we think of, I'm at each of these levels, each of these classes I've talked about, I'm, we're, we're sharing with you ways through, let's just take the idea of music skills or, um, uh, learning how to read sheet music. Um, we of course are putting music in front of you and you are interpreting and looking at that music and can sing what's on the page. Um, but there is an emphasis here and a need here um, for a a creation of a character inside of that mm-hmm. music and um, to sort of look at this piece of sheet music as fresh, right? So whether it's something that was from the golden age or, or from uh, maybe even contemporary musical theater, um, the skill is transferable in those in those ways. But can you pick up something that is completely brand new, um, written just yesterday mm-hmm. um, or just before this rehearsal, and both sing the notes on that page and interpret it? Um, it is a different skill set, and we our students have an opportunity to practice it a lot. And is it, would it tend to be that they're working with more? like young professional um, new work writers and directors, or is it also people in the program who are creating some of this newer? So it's like, would it be also similarly, you know, undergraduate writers and undergraduate directors? Yeah, it's actually both. That's a great question because it's both. Um, We have in our DPP program I mentioned earlier, um, uh, those 
folks get to their senior year and they get to produce um, in a senior festival series um, either works that were created by others or their own pieces that they've written, curated, uh, musically directed, whatever that math is to get them there. Um, and so they're interacting in that way. And then for the Polyphone Festival, which um, has its own separate artistic director, they are curating a season of emerging, um, sometimes the kinds of musicals that are, are on the fringe. Um, uh, this last year we did, um, a new musical called, um, Crimson Lit. And we also did one called Dear Mr. C. Uh, Dear Mr. C was, uh, written musically by, um, a Jonathan Larson grant winner. And, um, they were just looking for the next step. Mm -hmm. So this is, they, they have had previous readings. Um, they're bringing it here for our students to interact with, um, that that gets a full production on our main stage uh and as part of this larger mm -hmm. festival um we bring these artists here we're close enough to new york and to, to other big cities um uh we put them up we go we have a whole rehearsal process um through that rehearsal process there are changes that are happening every week we get them to a place which is not necessarily this like final end result but like here is here is what it's going to be mm -hmm. for this run, and then they go on to other to other things. Um, we've had artists like Michael R. Jackson, like Dave Malloy, um, try some pieces out. Um, so, and 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 then as you know, we found out this week, here they are getting Tony Awards mm -hmm. and Pulitzer Prizes and snap, snap, snap. So that's right. This is it's we are a step for them, and we give an opportunity for our students to to work directly with them, and also for them the artists themselves to see their work in in this form before it moves on to the next spot i think that's such a cool that's really well articulated especially in terms of the different kinds of a collaboration that actors have with you know when it's your professor and you're working on an established role versus when it's a student who's a playwright too and they're figuring that out versus when it's a professional just figuring out how, what it is to be an interpretive collaborator in a piece of new work, right? I think it's there's a lot of stumbling blocks that you can run into if it's not something you've practiced, if you're doing it in the professional world where someone goes, well, that's not quite, a, quite the feedback I'm looking for right now at this moment, or it's not, you know, but it's hard sometimes right. to know how can you be an interpretive collaborative artist as opposed to being like, let me write that show for you or let me do it. We're like, ah, right. good note, but. Yeah, and I think that that's right. I think that because we have these different levels, there's so many opportunities for our students to interact in whichever way they see themselves. Um, it's completely possible for, I mean, I identify as an uh, interpretive artist. I'm a director, I'm a choreographer. Um, I don't write my own anything, mm -hmm. right? I, there is a script that's in front of me and I bring that thing to life as best I can. And, and when and if the um, playwright is sitting there, I've worked on several new works, um, I can ask questions of them, but ultimately I'm sort of sticking to the script. Mm -hmm. um, the students that we that uh that are cultivated here are really able to be a part of that process and ask questions and 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 be in most cases the the first person to sing this mm -hmm. material that you know outside of a, a concert to actually put it into some sort of context um and that is a very meaningful thing our students are then able to 
immediately go into um, something that is a new work or um, approach, let's say, a classic, let's say, a, a Guys and Dolls mm -hmm. as if it was a new work mm -hmm. and say, here's my interpretation of it. Mm -hmm. Here's how I'm going to do it. Here's how I'm going to approach it. That's so cool. Um, you mentioned a little bit about this with Showcase, but tell me about how, how do you prepare, especially your seniors, let's say, to kind of launch them into the business itself? So what does that kind of senior through graduation process look like for you? Yeah, so they take classes like professional prep and um, business of theater, things that kind of connect them. Um, uh, a little bit of that is building your book. A little bit of that is just learning about the um, industry. Um, I think that, and this is this is true, I think, everywhere, which is a decentering of New York and decentering of Broadway. So many of our folks want to pursue that and we're going to totally do that and we're also going to give you information about what it would be like to move to atlanta mm -hmm. or to to go to la and kind of pursue film in, in a different way um we have had several uh alums take that path and be very successful in uh in the tv and film area mm -hmm. specifically um and uh yeah, I've I mentioned the cabaret performance. Like, so to me, I think being a senior, um, there is something about sitting on a stage with that the heat of that spotlight with, a, you know, some musicians, be it a, a accompanist, piano accompanist or um, a little drum kit, you know, I'm just sort of painting this picture of and then what, mm -hmm. right? Like, and then what are you singing? What are you talking about? What's important to you? Um, I have found that this generation in particular is not interested in just um, performing in something. They want to perform in something that means something. Mm -hmm. That is a fact. And we then give, give the authorship, give the autonomy back to them in that senior year and say, great, like, here you go. What what do you want to sing? Mm -hmm. What excites you? Um, what, um, how do you want the world to see you? And then in our, through our showcase process, we think of that as much more of an introduction, mm -hmm. like an introduction to the world, an introduction to, um, um, agents or managers or, or, you know, the various markets that are out there. Mm -hmm. Um, these last couple of years we've had to do virtual showcases and they have been extremely successful. Mm -hmm. um, the amount of clicks and views and responses, um, uh, it is, it is the, the sheer number of responses is so big um, that uh, it, it just makes each click and each uh, face that I'm seeing in my mind right now that much more excited. Mm. Um, and also they can take those recordings and put them on or connect them to their own websites mm -hmm do their own uh, thing with that beyond. Um, but it is, it is at least for me, an amazing place to um, sort of see as a culmination of their work all together in one place. And hopefully we will be able to do a, an in-person um, version of that soon. Knock on wood. Yeah. I mean, there is an amazing, the power of digital. I was thinking this the other day of like this podcast now is, has reached more people than any individual show I've done. And I think now the, all the combination of all performance I've done live now at this point, which is crazy, you know, and, and it's reached in a different way versus if you're in the house, you know, and I look you in the eye while delivering a Shakespeare line. It is a different kind of connection than you in your ears right now working out or whatever you're doing as you're checking this out. But like, it is just amazing. I mean, we've reached people all over the world and just the tonnage of 
every country, all these people that we just would never interact with my voice or with this content, of course, now catch it. And I think that really is, it's a lesson of the past 10 years, really pre-pandemic, but sort of was glommed on specifically as this happened that like, as an actor, it is so valuable to be like, this is my website with me doing stuff. If you didn't catch it at Showcase, here it is. You know, it's just so helpful. And I could say as a, you know, a producer in my previous position as associate artistic director, um, I watched all of these videos we cast people directly from them. Mm-hmm. I ha- did a um, a production of The Wiz, and we found um, the, this amazing artist who was graduating the following week from Ithaca, and it was just this video, and it was like, I, I didn't even meet her. Mm-hmm. I didn't even need to talk to her. I was like, this is it. This is our Dorothy, full stop. Um, I'm always excited by that story because I'm like, people don't believe me that that it wasn't, and this was pre-pandemic, this wasn't an in-person experience. This was a, we need to get this person on a plane right now because they are it. It's so funny. I love that story because we always talk about the relationships with professors that go beyond the audition process. And what a great example of like, this is a professor who runs a program and who directs professionally. So even though this person went to Ithaca, they still got cast. That's still, that, just because they didn't have to go to the school. That's still a relationship that could be cultivated theoretically. Um, that's right. Itself. Because every, um, especially regional theater and other theaters know, I mean, this is where that emerging talent is. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are, you know, uh, so brave as to stand up and sing and and be vulnerable and do your thing and and then also pursue it like in a university it's like we i am ready for you i know that you've done the work um so you are all that much more of uh, a, a higher i don't know commodity to me mm-hmm. if if uh you've completed a program i love it what about what do you feel like you know i sometimes ask the question as a what's the best kept secret of your school maybe it, it's also just like what do you wish people knew either before auditioning, before they applied, or maybe when they're making decisions to attend a school, what do you wish that they knew about your school that not everybody walks in knowing? This is true of you arts. Yeah, I love that. Um, I I think that there's like two answers to this. One, um, we've done some in-person and some virtual auditions, and it's an interesting thing because we find ourselves in the virtual auditions talking a lot about what Philadelphia is. It's sort of like, but really, like, I need you to picture what this is when you're walking from your dorm and you're going to class. It's not just like a normal uh-huh. patch of grass. We're talking about like an energy, a vibrancy, mm-hmm. an electricity that then your work is informed by. You are singing a song in your studio classes mm-hmm. and you are just informed by the the honking horns and people screaming at you. I mean, it's like I look at it as all a positive thing because... Um, we, you can't deny this level of electricity. Mm-hmm. So I just want to say that for those that are able to come and visit in person, they know what we're talking about. And it's actually a pretty short, you know, little opening speech. Mm-hmm. It's like, right. I mean, isn't the city cool? Great. Let's, let's move on. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is that I think that as, as many programs are evolving, um, ours is evolving in a way that has a real connection to, um, the industry at large, right? We're not afraid to have conversations that that are ha- being had in the larger industry. We do not protect ourselves as this bubble. We have both working professionals as your professors, um, literally in a million shows here, 
perhaps even in um, larger shows, taking breaks and coming back. But they are working. Every single person mm -hmm. is um, doing the thing, as we say. Um, we also are not afraid to bring guests in um, who are, you know, guest professors or even guests into um, small conversations. Uh, Broadway designer Jeff Sug, um, Heather Christian. We just had uh, Martha Donaldson Wheatley and Sharon Wheatley, who is currently in uh, Come From Away, come and talk to us about, you know, being in this relationship as a performer with a um, major production stage manager on, on Broadway. Um, we also had uh, the amazing and effervescent Kristen Chenoweth and Mary Mitchell Campbell do a workshop for our students. Um, I, I only, I'm saying that to say we're open to the world. Mm -hmm. We're not some closed off little uh, space. Um, and then so with being in the world, we're having conversations about social justice. We're having conversations about what it means to be an artist today. Um, and we are, um, uh, I've taken great steps towards bringing intimacy, theatrical intimacy and theatrical intimacy education mm -hmm. specifically with Laura Reichard, um, Chelsea Pace into our school. Um, so we're looking at consent-based learning. We're looking at boundary practice from day one. Mm -hmm. um, and this is something that I know a lot of schools like or would love to do, um, but we are able to do it and we're just like not messing around because we are human beings first and this is what we need in order to prepare our students and actually so that they can hold space for themselves when they're in rehearsals. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, and it's, it's an exciting thing. Not to put you too much on the spot, but are there any like, I mean, of course, we haven't had like broad sweeping answers and conclusions that solved everything. But but what has come out of some of those conversations in terms of like, especially like what it means to be an artist in the world today, maybe in relation to social justice, but but just in general as like, we definitely can all feel a real shift, and I've talked about it with all of our artist guests as well, how the world is changing. The next generation is is has a different view of art and a different view of the way that we work and the different view, you know, and I think a lot of it really to the positive, but but I'm not sure that we feel like we we have defined, oh, this is what's different or this what's, and I don't need you to give the full definition, but but anything that's come out of those conversations that you go, ah, we're not, this has shifted our program to be a little bit more like this, or this has allowed us to realize this is a different perspective we could have on things. Yeah, I think, you know, when I was training and I was told by my professors that it was this or that it was that, um, I identify as uh, a, a AAPI. I am half Filipino, half Hawaiian. Um, professors, teachers of mine just wanted me to, to kept me in a box. Um, I felt like I wasn't seen by the industry. There weren't roles out there um, specifically for me. And um if anything, I think that it's the, the shift has happened. The shift has been that we are listening to the kind of art that our young people joining us on this journey are interested in making. Um, we are not really dictating or telling them what they are or what they have to be, but rather saying, let's, let's kind of explore all of these avenues. Have you sing this song? Have you work on this piece and see what comes of that? Um, I think that that is the difference. Um, there isn't this pressure for our alums, you know, or who are about to graduate um, to, to do anything more than what they are interested in doing. Um, and and um, this is about 
this generation. This is about how the pandemic, uh, how we've all responded to the pandemic and decided if we wanted to opt in or opt mm-hmm. out of something. Um, the the artist today um, is interested in fully opting in when it suits their boundaries mm-hmm. um, to to create and to pursue um, to pursue art. It's not some ending goal. It's actually just like the thing. It's um, so we think of it like we're passing on these tools without bias. Mm-hmm. Here are these tools. Here is this energy, and um, and we wish you the best of luck. And we hope that um, we hope that this or the transferable skills that we have given you um, can bring you the life that you want. Like, may you use and it better more. than we used it. <laughs> Whatever. You can build something even better than what I, we were able to build. Yeah, That's exactly right. It's, it's listening and it's just trusting that they know what they're interested in doing and what they want to do, mm-hmm. you know? Um, my last question in this section is just, so as you know, we just passed May 1st and people are making decisions. Uh, some students I imagine that you accepted joyfully said, yes, I want to come to the school. And some said, I'm going to go to a different school. Do you have a sense of like when schools, when students said, oh no, you arts now actually isn't for me. Why did they say that? What, what did they give as a reason? Or, you know, could be, of course, I like the school better, but was there ever something where they say, here's why I think it's not so much a fit for me? Yeah. I mean, it's sort of connected to what I just said about listening to them because I don't want to, um, I am not in the practice of lying to anyone or lying to folks when they're coming in person for an audition. I'm going to answer exactly what you want. Uh, I may exactly answer the question that you have for me, um, regardless of if that finds you going to one of these other amazing programs or coming to us. I think that it's a big choice and a big decision. And I just want you to have all the information. Um, so uh, it's also fun because I'm uh, the vice president of conferences for Musical Theater Educators Alliance. So I am friends with all of these other program directors and all these other uh, leaders in other spaces. And so we talk often mm-hmm. like, you know, it seems to me like people are going to this school or going to that school. Um, and the interesting thing is it it isn't necessarily about any one thing, um, but uh, if anything, it's about the decision about the greater school or the community. Um, It's possible, what I said as a selling point as Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. that that is not appealing to someone, that they're more interested in a more rural JMU experience Mm -hmm. or in a even more rural Shenandoah experience, right? Like that, these are the complete opposite spectrums of what our schools have to offer. And then when you look closer at our curriculum, um, you know, they just might not want the, um, you know, as I said, as a selling point, the new work, they might be interested in looking at more traditional musical theater um, as a regular part of their seasons. That is not something that we right now are, are holding as the highest mm-hmm. regard. We want to prepare you for any and all jobs rather than um, sort of put you in a box. I love it. All right. We're going to take a short break, run some ads. And on the back end of the break, we're going to talk about the audition process at UArts. We're back in a flash. Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We are back with Kikau Alvaro from the University of the Arts, and we're going to talk about the audition process. So in short, I'd love to start with like, what do you think makes a great audition for you? What, what do you see and you go, oh, that's just what I'm looking for? Um, I'm not sure if this is the right answer, but it feels like I, what I want to say, which is that I am seeing a, uh, having a human experience mm. in the room with someone. And that is both in the initial hello, in the performance and in the maybe post question interview section, mm-hmm. um, uh, it, that, that I am, that I can see that student, that interested person coming to our school. Um, and if for some reason I can't see that because they might not either A, know what they really want to do mm-hmm. or uh, might be, there might be a better program that might serve them, that's when it sort of falls outside the line. So um, a human experience, someone that comes in and is is um, interested in joy and and being there and present in the moment um that's really exciting to me someone who when i say hi how's it going and they actually respond like well or like kind of weird like these you know i Mm -hmm. love that because that is okay great then that means when you do come here in the fall um we'll have we can have the basis of a, a human relationship. <laughs> I love it. Well, I'd love to hear just like, in terms of the practice of presentness, how do you, what advice would you give to a student if you're going, okay, I want to be there and have the mm-hmm. human experience. Probably I'm struggling with some nerves as I walk into my audition. It's very excited, right? How do you sort of suggest that a student, yeah. you know, finds that place of ha- being able to have a human experience? I think it's a couple things. I think um, everyone just needs to breathe. I think you need to take that breath before you even come into the room, perhaps even take that breath when you come into the room. Like, you know, there is that sense of urgency or time requirement, but there really isn't. Like, if you need a second, take a second. Um, And I think taking that breath, remembering where you are, um, um, really looking up and looking into the eyes of Mm. the adjudicators, I think that there's something about that, that it's like, we are, no one is a robot. You are not a robot. We are not a robot. Um, and you know, I think breathing is helpful because it just is like, okay, here I am. Um, it will not 
completely eliminate your nerves, but it will um, just once again remind you that we we're here and that what we're interested in seeing is that that authentic self. And um, and when we're hearing you talk before or afterwards, um, you know, we're not interested in like some canned answer that you may have given to previous uh, schools, but we're just interested in like, here's the question that we're asking. And like, what is your real response to that? Um, we know that people come from many different high schools and different backgrounds, um, or might even be transferring and comes with their own experience. And we want to hear and see that during this time. Um, you can't be something that you're not. So there's no reason to like pretend. Mm-hmm. And are there any other than maybe a canned interview answer? Are there any other kind of red flags that makes you go, "Oh, this person's not present in the room or having an experience," or really any other red flags that just bother you in an audition where you go, "This person might not be a UART student if I'm seeing a lot of this." Yeah, um, I would say. I mean, maybe this is a little deeper, but it does. You know, what you're choosing to perform, what your song choices are, it it mean something, right? It's such a short, limited period of time. So when you are choosing something that um, might not be, uh, I don't know, suitable for your voice or energy or type, or, you know, it's, you know, we're no longer existing in types, but like, if there is not really a, an understanding of what you are or who you are, um, similar to my first answer, then it's difficult for us to kind of wade through it. It's such a short period of time that choosing material um, is important. Um, and, and you know, I think we say in our materials, it's like we're looking for contrasting, which is fine that you can interpret that however you want. Um, I would say that I have found a particular interest in folks that choose pop songs um, as their other song, as just being a, a great way for us to see who they might see themselves in the world as, or even original songs that has happened as well. Um, those are always kind of lean in moments like, huh? Um, so when someone is to answer your question, when someone is choosing something that feels prescribed to them, that doesn't really fit their energy or vibe, it always feels like, Oh, okay. Like maybe this isn't the right fit for us. Totally makes sense. Um, what about, so you do not pre-screen, right, in terms of the auditions? We don't. But you do accept video auditions as maybe as a last resort after the audition experience has happened? Yeah, we will. Um, now, this is part of the process that is a, a little undergoing some construction, but we are interested, even if you are coming here in person, for you to uh, send some sort of video. Um, mm-hmm. We do do a um, wait list. And we have found in going back to that wait list um, that it's just a little easier when we're able mm-hmm. to reference video. So mm-hmm. just saying that out loud. Um, and um, and we do and attend, you know, all of the unifieds and, you know, we go to you. We'd love for you to come to us. Um, and in each of those scenarios, a video is important. I'm not sure if I answered your question. <laughs> I think you did, Jim. But and also, are you... Um, keeping virtual auditions at all? Do you know, is that something moving forward that there's going to be some element of virtual auditions? Yeah, I think we are. We've had a great time and um, a fantastic opportunity to get to know folks. Um, I think it works well on both ends in terms of accessibility. Um, We have seen some really successful auditions um, and it's fun to see 
uh, folks in their own environments in some case. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, a auditionee um, perform in front of this pile of wood and they were in Vermont and that began and sparked this brand new conversation about not spark can't it, spark the wood it was Come just <laughs> it was it was you had to do it forest um, fire of forest, knowledge forest of love but it did it opened up a whole conversation about like okay so like when you're not performing musical theater you're clearly mm-hmm. gathering wood i mean like that's interesting um you get to just know people in a different way mm-hmm. um in that case people if that person brought their pile of wood to you arts, they would be kicked out immediately. So <laughs> I'm a huge um, survivor fan. This happened to me in the pandemic. And so I've, been, I've never done reality TV, but I've done it. But I, I always now feel like these, um, those are like audition videos when they make their little like, here's me in the pool, here's me, in the whatever. It's like, that's sort of a little like, tell me a bit about yourself with your background. That's right. I mean, and we do to some degree, I also love Survivor. My husband and I hey are totally into it. Season 42. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Come on. Uh, I got Omer and I got Linz. Those are my top two. Anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. For Omer to get <laughs> By the as time far this as is coming gotten, out, they'll both be voted out. Let's be honest. Yeah, no, but I don't know. I, I, I think Omer is unvote outable. Like I really, he's, mm. he's sort of made enough um, mm. inroads to people that I'm like, no one's really paying attention. Um, but it, this, this yeah. is important information though, because this is the kind of human interaction that I find interesting where we're, it's not on the page. There's no coach mm-hmm. that prepared you to have a conversation about Survivor. But if there is something on your heart that you are feeling, if there is a new mm. T-Swift album out, if there is something that is burning inside for you to say, um, say it. Say it in the room. And and not in some performative way, but in a like real genuine way. Oh my gosh, we love it. Because then mm. you are, you're just showing that not only are you listening to the world, but you are able to wear your uh, your art. You're able to, mm-hmm. to be fully who you are with all of these tenants to you. Here's this random mm-hmm. TV show, but it's something that you're into. And I, that's it's really what I want. To put it out there, right? it's, yeah. It takes a confidence to be able to say, I'm not just looking for what you're hoping that you'll, you'll like this, but this is me. And if you that's hate right. Survivor and you think it's weird that I, li- I like reality TV, well then... That's fine. Then I'm not for you. There's yeah. there's a confidence that's very attractive in being able to say this is I'm articulating myself as yeah. as I am. That's what we want. I mean, we all, we all ask, and when I say all, I mean all of these other BFA programs. I'm sure ask similar questions. But what I like to do is be as transparent as possible and say, here's my question, and here's why I'm asking about it. And one of our questions is something like, what you know, if we gave you a bazillion dollars, what would you want to make with that, right? Because that yeah. will then tell us. Um, what they're thinking about. It could be a revival of something. It could be a brand new musical based on a comic book they're listening to. And the ultimate goal right there is passion. I want you to speak Mm -hmm. passionately about something. So you could be talking about your dog or your love of tomatoes. I mean, the content does not matter. What matters Mm -hmm. is that little fire that's inside. That's like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, no one's ever asked me this. You know what? Actually, I love this random play that no one has ever produced or this random musical. And I'm telling you right there, that is an accept. Mm -hmm. Now we're back to the fire and the spark and the wood. It's all just a beautiful metaphor here. We need to Um, redesign our logo. (laughs) Bringing back to my favorite question, which is, I always like to ask like, 
in your estimate, and you're sort of as you're taking a student and you're saying, you said this is now an accept, how much of that is based on the skill displayed in the monologue songs dance versus these intangibles versus the interview and the adjustment and any, how they walk in the room and say hello, any of the other aspects of an audition? Yeah, I would say we take very seriously this idea of being a, a four-year conservatory-style BFA. We know that when folks come in here, they do need to have some level or understanding of like basic foundational um, musical or even um, movement knowledge. Um, and more than that, we know they also need to express and, and be able to articulate that passion. Uh, so I'm not sure what the percentage is, but it's it. there is a standard when it comes to the rigor and expectations that we have of our students. Um, and that if somebody is um, an amazing, talented person, they're coming in here with all that, um, and they're in a uh, unable to kind of really talk about why they love it, it's a hard mm-hmm. sell. If someone mm-hmm. has like, the complete opposite can totally sell it and has no skill, like really no skill or can't really connect the pitch to the accompaniment accompanist. Um, that's a really hard sell. Um, mm-hmm. What I can find is that is someone who has um, the potential for, for uh, engaging in and learning and, and a curiosity um, about these various skills and also can articulate what their vision is for themselves or the world or themselves in the world, that is a easy. That's like a absolutely. And how does that work then with your school in terms of um, academics? If you like the student artistically, is there any bar to academics in terms of what they need to have? Or how does that work with the sort of deliberative body of the school itself? Yeah, they do need to have some sort. There is, and I don't have that number in front of me, but there is, they do have to turn in transcripts. Um, you know, they do have to uh, um, sort of reach the bar of that standard. Um, our uh, our focus here is on, in many ways, in our situation on the art, but they do have to take critical studies classes. They have to be able to sort of demonstrate a sense of uh, ability to write and to communicate. Um, uh, but the emphasis, I mean, a lot of reasons why people come here is because it is you are every single semester you are here taking um theater courses and musical theater mm-hmm. courses you are singing every semester you are on stage mm-hmm. in some form or fashion so um it is the a real appeal to folks i love it um i, I want to ask maybe two more questions and then i don't know i gotta let you go um First, what inspired you to start this podcast? So your podcast really seems like it's for, especially maybe for musical theater educators to listen to, though, of course, we could kind of kibitz in and see what's going on in the musical theater education world. Um, Tell me a little bit about the pod and and how you started it. Yeah, so um, Matthew Teague Miller, you know, we call him Maddie, Maddie Teague Miller, who's at Chico State, and I are good friends. We met each other during, uh, as, as serving as leaders in the Musical Theater Educators Alliance uh, organization. This is a, an organization I've worked with for the last six years. Um, and separately from that, but sort of inspired by that, is this idea or this um, interest in talking, um, this interest in having a conversation about, about what other 
professors are doing, um, what other what's happening in in different classes um, at Texas State or at Hart or at, you know in these schools, Carnegie Mellon, um, and to sort of we're, we wanted to just interview and talk to our friends who are doing this. So we know that it's pretty niche. You know, this is not something that my mom listens to um, <laughs> because she's like, oh, okay, but well, I'm not, I'm not really interested in that. Um, but this is something that a musical theater educator or someone who's interested in becoming an educator, um, or even as we know, as I know, as a director choreographer, when I'm working in the world, I also find myself teaching in that space as well. So folks that, that do find themselves in um, leadership kind of positions, um, it's a great way for, for them to join the conversations, to join the community. Um, we just had, uh, we did an interview with Caitlin Hopkins from Texas State. Um, this is like our most recent, you know, list. We uh, chatted with Laura Reichard from Theatrical Intimacy Education. And um, our next episode is with the writing team, um, the, the producers, the writing team of Between the Lines which is coming to mm. New York off Broadway. So Timothy McDonald, mm. um, uh, uh, Samson and Anderson, and Jody Pico. Um, so we're talking with creatives, but about education and about like why it's important to know how to learn how to work on a new work or what what in their particular case the pandemic how that affected their work. They're now bringing mm. it back in. What do our students need to do? Um, how do we need to teach our students differently um, for an audition for you, right? That's sort of what that conversation is about. So cool. And we love a niche pod. I have two niche podcasts. I have this and I have a Survivor podcast. My family listened to none of it. Literally zero, none, zero episodes. And nobody's interested in my life except these weird niches. It's the way of the world here. We, wanna, we want specific. The way of the world. I mean, here's the thing. I also, I will also say I began as a huge podcast fan. I mean, I listen to many of them and I like trying on new ones and like, I like putting one on, walking the dog, living my life. So this mm -hmm. is just another, it's, it's really the language I speak, which is why it all added up to uh, clicking in and posting. I love that answer because it, it does, it's the same thing for me in terms of, you know, it's like the advice we took in theater school, but podcast didn't really exist when I was going to theater school. You know, it's like, go make the things that you're actually interested in. And I found myself an avid podcast fan. I'm like, well, then I should do it. I should make a podcast. Cause I'm like, if I love it, I'm, I'm going to have a say on it more than I will on some other art form that I'm not as excited about. That's right. Um, my last question is just, uh, if you have any advice to a prospective student, or if we, you know, we haven't talked a lot about parents or prospective parent within the process as well, you know, if, if they're listening to this and let's imagine they're really just beginning their journey. So for the poor seniors, you're done, you, but you're maybe a rising senior at this point or, you know, finishing your junior year and you're starting, you're reading about this school and you're listening to this podcast or on the website, you're starting to look at UArts. What's the advice that you would give to that parent or to that student? Yeah, I would, um, the advice I would give is to start as early as you are able to, um, to do the research that I know that you're doing, um, to, to visit if that is at all possible. I think that being in the space, being at all, seeing the studios, you know, if there's a world where it lines up that you're able to join, um, a school for a special event like a Kristen Chenoweth masterclass or a uh, even a performance opportunity, I would try to line that up um, as in your in your education of yourself, um, just to sort of see the kinds of things that are happening in the schools. Um, and I would I think a great 
pathway is to talk to folks that are either graduating from or seniors in these various schools, right? So what is typically forward facing is you're going to see my face on the website. You're going to have my email. Please reach out and like, you know, ask questions. But the real answers that you're going to need or want are those ones from the students who just are graduating, who are just completing or who have recently graduated. Um, I have found great success um, in that way. And then I also will say, you know, we, as I mentioned earlier, these BFA leaders talk to each other. We know each other. And and I know there's amazing things happening in all of these schools. So mm. if we aren't the right school for you, I'd love to sit down and like talk about what might be a good fit for you based on the knowledge that I have, or just, you know, refer you to some of our um, other amazing programs. You know, we also know that not every program is for you. So I'm going to mm -hmm. tell you what's, what's happening here in Philadelphia and also um, sort of paint a couple pictures for you if you want. So cool. Well, if people want to follow you, um, they certainly can do at University of the Arts, right? That's Is right. that the best social for you arts? And then what if they want to follow you directly, we can do at Carefully Taught Podcast if they want to check out that pod. That's right. And then at Kikau Town. Am That's I getting right. that right for your Instagram? That is correct. I, I was obsessed when I was younger with the idea and branding of Cheesecake Factory. I always thought, you go to Cheesecake Factory and you can't like not get a cheesecake, right? Mm -hmm. And so I just was like, okay, well, what if I was a place like Kikau Town, Dollywood? That's really what that is. And I just thought that's this is where incredible. this is Kikau where that Town. exists. Kikau Town and and captures the the um all the things. Um, I also well, would recommend. I'm at Charlieville, so that's yeah. perfect. You can wait. Throw is that, that out serious? No, no, that's a joke. Oh, oh my God. I was, oh my God. That is, we would have <laughs> a whole little survivor. And now this, we really are alive. <laughs> we have a whole community. Um, I would also say for folks to add um, at the Brind School, like, so mm -hmm. University of the Arts is our main thing. But if you add at the Brind School, you can get connected to every, all of the recent performances and, and things that we have going on as well. Love it. And we will have all that in our show notes for people to click on just to make it that much easier. Um, Kikau, this was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for the time. Charlieville. I can't believe it. I can't believe you lied to me. <laughs> no, thank you. I really appreciate it. This is really great. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Kikau. Uh, what a wise and thoughtful man he is. I just want to take a, a short dive into something he mentioned at the top of the interview, which I think is really key for students at this time of year, which is that idea of curriculum being the differentiator from school to school. And obviously, there are many factors that differentiate, right? But I think this is such a key one, and it's one that families sometimes jump past since it takes a bit of digging to figure it out. It's not an easy answer here when you talk about curriculum. When you're trying to discover what priorities a school puts artistically or academically, sometimes they'll put it right out there in the top of their website or as a mission statement. Like a school might say, we believe in acting as the foundation of all musical theater training, or we believe that academics are just as important as your discipline training because we believe in well-rounded artists, right? Those are excellent to read and clock for yourselves, but the best way to actually see what each school prioritizes is seeing where they spend their actual credit hours. Each school should have available some kind of sample curriculum. Right? It may not be for all four years, and it may not be readily available online. You may have to actually reach out and ask uh, for, can I see a, a sample freshman curriculum? But it'll give you some idea of how they're going to handle their artistic and academic training. They won't always give you the detailed understanding of what each class is. For instance, one school's acting one might vary significantly from another school's acting one. 
or it also won't give you any kind of qualitative information, right? But it will give you that quantitative understanding of where the school is spending their hours. If a school is giving you nothing but academics two days a week versus another school who gives you a two-hour chunk on Tuesdays and Thursdays to fill in your elective, those are very different academic experiences. But those schools might both narratively say and truly believe something like, academics are important and we want to encourage you to minor when you can. So the school could really mean that, but look at that difference in terms of two full days versus two hours on two days. Similarly, some schools may have you dancing five times a week. Others might have you dancing three times a week. Some schools might have you acting three times a week for three hours at a time, where others, it's 90 minutes twice a week. For those who are doing quick math at home, that's three times the amount of acting class at the first school versus the second school. And this is where you can start to see schools that are similar to each other, right? They may be modeled under similar mind frames because you'll see kind of similar patterns of curriculum from school to school. If you know your own priorities already, this can really help you shape your list and make sure if acting is the most important thing to you, let's have a lot of those schools that are spending a lot of curricular acting hours. If things are a little murkier on that side of things for you, this is a great way to explore what different curriculums might make sense to you. So imagine at school one, what this curriculum might go from acting here and then I go to voice class and then I do this versus this school where I do academics this part of the day and then I do my artistic stuff see what it might be like for you. And you can kind of say, does that, does that feel more like a me or does this one feel more like a me? Um, and just like with a company that states its priorities, but you might kind of want to audit their books to see where they're actually spending their money, this is a great way to cut through the narrative schools will talk about. So they'll say what their priorities are and you can just get right to the brass tacks of what they actually think is the most important in terms of where they spend their hours. If you enjoyed spending this hour with us and you want to hear more, please hit that subscribe button. We'd also appreciate you if you were to rate and review us wherever you found us. I suggest five stars if you believe in jinxes and an ironic five stars if you think this is all a simulation anyway. You can also reach out to us with questions for the pod at mailbag at mappingandcollegeaudition.com or harass me on all social platforms. I'm at charmer7. If you're interested in working with MTCA for help with your individual prep, please check us out at mtcollegeeditions.com or follow us on all our social platforms. To my young artists out there mapping their journeys, try having a human experience in all aspects of your life. I highly recommend it. We'll see you next week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.